Welcome to On the Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm Andy Simon. I'm your host and your guide. And as you know, my job is to help you get off the brink. And my guest today is Tony Marnetti, who's going to also tell you about how to climb the right mountain, but in all kinds of different ways. What I love to do is find people who are going to add to your skill set. You know, we all hate to change. Change is painful. Your brain fights it. It flees it. It fears it. It appeases it. It doesn't want to do it. But when you're a leader, you're full of opportunities to show how you can adapt and lead and bring others along with you. Your followers are expecting you to. They're looking to you. And every good leader is also a good follower. So we've got lots of great topics to talk about today. So, Tony, thank you for joining me. I'm going to let Tony give you his professional background. It's much more powerful than mine, and I can read it, but I think his is really one that you want to hear from him about how his own journey has taken him to where he is today and why that's going to be such fun to share with you. Tony, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Andy. This is so wonderful to be here. And I'm so thrilled to have the opportunity to share my story, but also to really engage with some interesting conversation with you. My story has been an interesting uh, path to getting to me to be in this space where I'm helping people to, let's say, climbing the right mountain. Um, but the reality is I had my own mountain that I climbed that I was really struggling with. Um, I went down this path of being the well creative child who then turned into this place of, of uh, being in that space of being a pre-med major, eventually becoming somebody who went into the biotech field, and then realizing that I wasn't really happy. I was really empty inside. Um, I had the outside picture of success, and people used to always say, like, well, you're doing so well, but... I knew inside there was something different that was going on for me. My story was um, one of really depression and an unfulfillment. And um, it all came to a head one day when I was sitting in a boardroom and I realized that I can no longer collect a paycheck and, um, and do the work I'm doing. So I decided that I needed to move on. I literally got up, walked out, and decided that in order for me to change the room, I needed to leave the room. Wow. And so I did. That's my story. But you're not alone. I can't tell you how many, I'm an executive coach, how many people I work with who have reached a point where life is simply not fulfilled by what they're doing or how they're doing it. And mm. they need a personal guide, which I do, like you are doing. Um, mm. But they don't see why they're stuck or stalled. And I get stabbed with them. Enough tears flow for me to realize that this isn't this isn't a successful person. Uh, this is somebody who is looking for what's the purpose of my pleasure and my passion. So where did it take you? Yeah. So the first thing that it it, it took me to is this element of like I, I knew there was something that I saw in the way that the leaders were showing up, and this element of of worrying about their self-image, the way that they were, you know, preserving the way that they were seen by others. And I started to see this element of like, wow, like, first of all, I'm in this space of biotech where, you know, we save lives. We do things to save people's lives. And there's about, it's about inspiring people to come to work every day to save lives. And I think there was a, some places where I saw this wasn't showing up that way. And I felt as though I wanted to inspire people to show up every day as a leader 
to create that in people where they were inspired to do what was necessary to, to not only save lives, but to save their own lives, because we should be inspiring ourselves to have a life of purpose, to have a life where we feel that we're lit up every day by something. Um, and so that's really where my journey started. It wasn't easy because I had to figure out what it was that it was going to look like. How would I do that? And what would it, what would the vehicle be? So it's interesting because yeah. you, I often say to people, if you want to change, have a crisis or create one. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you had a crisis moment, but yeah. you also had an epiphany, an aha, yeah. uh, you know, the mirror you were looking into spoke back to you and said, this isn't my life. This is the way I want to do it. Other people have planned me and I'm mm. ready to now take charge. Very interesting. Now, where did you take this? How did you package it and create something in, both innovative and inspiring? Yeah. So the first thing I did is I, I decided to, well, there's something about coaching because I'd, I'd worked with a coach. Um, and during that time when I was, you know, near the tail end of my corporate career and I started to have this, um, this feeling about this, I was like, this is interesting. There's something about coaching that really resonates with me. And even the coach that I was working with is like, you're really, you know, there's something about you. You're really empathetic. You're really somebody who has a highly evolved emotional intelligence. And I don't, he's like, I don't know where you get it from, but it's just something that's in you. And I'm like, oh, interesting, you know, kind of pass it off as just, it is what it is. Um, but those clues kept on showing up. And um, when I decided to take the leap, I was like, well, scratching my head. Um, I had started companies before, but this was something completely different because I didn't know what I was doing. So I decided to, to explore this option. And the first foray was, was doing this business coaching because it was like, oh, well, business coaching is... Like, I know business, I've done business, I can do this. It was wrong. <laughs> I had to figure out what it was that I uniquely brought to the table. And so my journey really started with me figuring out who I am, who I am at a deep level. And if I were to say the, the true answer came in the fact that I said, I need to have, I need to answer the questions that most people never ask themselves, that never answer themselves. Who am I? What am I here for? What is my contribution to the world? And I had honest conversations with myself. Weird as that sounds, but it's true. You have to have those conversations with yourself. And did you argue with yourself? I sure did. <laughs> I, I kept on doubting myself and saying like, oh, I can't do this. This is not who I am. This is not. I was doing a lot of thoughts with what, a lot of thinking with my head and not with my heart. I wasn't leading with my heart. Yes. And so I was always talking myself out of that's not possible. I can't do this this way because it's just not logical. But you don't start a coaching business or a business where you change people's hearts and minds through your head. That's right. You have right. to do it from a place that is deeper inside. And so I had to go deep inside to explore who I was and what I was meant to do. And it took some time and I had to commit to that. And so one of the things that I've learned about it is like, if you want a business that's going to change lives you have to really commit to a path of patience and perseverance. Yes. And that's really where um, I guess that's the, well, I'll pause for a moment and just say, that's what I committed to is a patience and perseverance. Well, you're, you're I mean, I, I had a text message over the weekend from somebody I know, actually another podcaster, and he was um, asking me, he had come off his meditation for the morning mm -hmm. and he was asking me, how do I get past the 
fear of failure. Mm. The fears that are holding me back from writing a book. Um, mm. I could take on a, a really cool client. I'm afraid to give them the proposal. Um, and you're not alone in your uh, need to go deep into who am I and what do I and what can I do and how do I build confidence and, and competency? Um, because, you know, the question for him was, how do I change? How do I see myself tomorrow? And, and while I can say we work on that, I know you do as well. So yeah. you were working on you. And from yeah. that came a whole new business to help others become the best they could be. Am I right? Yes, exactly. And, and it's, it's really connecting with this element of like, what is the asset of the company that I was creating? I am the asset. Um, the things that I'm creating for myself, how, when I dig deep and find out more about me, I'm actually crafting the product that I will be selling. And, um, <laughs> and it sounds really odd when I describe it like that, but in reality, that's what it is. The more you discover about yourself and how your unique gifts come out, you're creating a product that will help others. Yes. A gift that is supposed to be given to others. And that's really kind of a neat thing and a good way to, for people to to frame it. You know, it's interesting though, because I too try to help develop leaders. Um, you have a quiz on your site, you have a process yeah. of inspired leadership. Talk to our listeners about how you you approach it. I'm going to pick your brain. Um, yeah. Teach me a little bit about uh, what came out of your aha epiphany yeah. and deep thinking uh, came a process that you find works well and give us some insight into it. Yeah. I mean, first of all, that there's an element of never fulfillment is a big part of, of really looking for what you need, you know, and what people are looking for is looking for fulfillment. It looking for happiness. There's this thing that people are striving for and realizing that everything is a journey that never is quite complete. You have to kind of see this as something that you can find um, your nuggets of, of happiness and fulfillment along that journey and see this growth along that path that is making you see that you are becoming the person you want to be. Um, that you're not looking to the end as being the, the way that I'm going to be happy. Um, so the more and more that I was working with, you know, developing my craft, but also working with different leaders along that way, because you become this person who, you know, the, the business you didn't just start, I didn't just wait to start. I started and then I started to see what was showing up at my door. I realized that a lot of people are looking for that. They're looking for like, how, what should I do next? What's the next step? How could I do more of this? And what I found was that people needed to step back and really reframe their approach to their climb up the corporate ladder or to their entrepreneurial ventures and to think differently about who, what they wanted out of life. And what their purpose really was for bringing their gifts to life. Well, it's interesting because you said two things. One of which is um, we're futurists. Yeah. If I can't see the future, I don't know how to live today. But you said yeah. very well that this is a journey and we don't necessarily need a destination. Mm. And those two aren't quite at odds with each other. But from a neuroscience, cognitive science point of view, you can't see ahead, at least to a step along the way, um, you get immobilized. 
And it makes it very challenging to move forward when I'm changing who I am now to become a better, happier person tomorrow. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to contradict what you said. I just want to enhance it a little bit that that futurism is a part of how we live. And, yeah. and so you don't need a destination per se, but you do need some vision, yes. visualization of where you're off to. I have a hunch you had that when you started your company, but you weren't quite sure all the pieces. Yeah, yeah, and I love you said this because it's exactly the thinking that I had was that it's about having like a plan and a vision to the future, but having not being attached to that outcome and having a feeling of like, okay, I've set this vision, but what steps can I take now that put me on the path to creating that? And at the same time, knowing that those steps are not going to be easy, but I want to make sure that there are steps that are going to give me fulfillment along the path that I'm not like, you know, dreading every moment to get there because of the fact that it's like, you know, this is what um, I need to do to get to that thing that I really want. You have to want to do those things. Yes. Sorry. No, no. Once you get purposeful and passionate and focused, then the steps almost fall into place and you are moving along it's not a treadmill. It's your own, you know, pathway. It's a bit of a maze, but that's okay. One of the things that you and I were talking about that's come out is this idea of quiet leadership. Mm. I'd like you to share your thoughts about it with the listeners because um, I often preach ideas come when you have a quiet mind. And if you're stuck or stalled, go take a thought walk. You know, leave your pod, your iPod at back. Don't put your music on. Just go take a quiet walk down a road somewhere that you can be safe and, and enjoy the scenery and then let your mind think. Um, what is quiet leadership? Yeah, well, I, I want to start by saying that there's an element of like the world has gotten noisy. And in some ways we reward we reward noisiness. Yes, um, it's true. And um, especially when it comes to like speaking up in the workplace, there's an element of like, well, if you don't speak up, people won't hear you. Um, you won't get their promotions. You won't get the things that, you, that you're looking for. And what I've found, especially working with scientists and people who are technical leaders who have risen up the ranks and become leaders inside an organization, what I found is that they have obviously brilliant minds but they may not be inclined to be the one who's out there driving the point home or to have that inclination to be taking up space. Um, I've especially seen this show up in the past year or so with the pandemic where people who are on Zoom a lot and, you know, unless they're called on, unless they're asked for their opinion, they may just fall into the background. Um, And whether it's, it's, it's because they want to or because they just force in this, in this way. There's an element of not really getting hurt at all. Um, so those leaders who have something to say are not being heard at all. Wow. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us. And we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled, or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey. Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled 
and a little anthropology help them see things through a fresh lens, reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls and become the best that they could be. They heard things like women aren't lawyers and women can't lead and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back, and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books. And you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now back to our podcast. So what do we do about that? Because I do, I have 30 workshops coming up this year, all virtual. Yeah. And to your point, I make sure every single one of the people in the room has a chance to talk um, mm. because sometimes I think they would prefer it if nobody noticed they were there and the black mm. screens are not good. You got to put your video on, yeah. even if you don't think you look good today. If not, you are truly missing an action. But it's an interesting um, challenge for us who are speakers, facilitators or whatever to engage with people in this new environment and make sure that the quiet ones get heard and have enough good context in which to speak. And there was an article in the New York Times not long ago about how women on these virtuals Mm -hmm. um, don't quite know how to be uh, intelligent, articulate people. If they talk too much, um, they're thought to be too pushy. If they don't talk enough, well, they're a woman. I mean, it's really hard to figure out what yeah. the guy talks enough. He's clearly smart. I mean, the, the the values that are coming through behaviors on the Zoom world are fascinating from a gender perspective. And I suspect from a, a leadership one. Yeah, I, I think part of this, this is not like a, there's no there's no panacea that's just going to just fix this. We have to literally we have to look at this from the perspective of starting from the top and start to plan better as a leader to say, how do we ensure that, first of all, people feel safe so that there's not an element of like, am I coming off strong? Am I coming off weak? If I don't say, you know, what needs to be said, you know, am I going to be held to to some kind of a thing? So there's a psychological safety element, of course. Um, But there's also an element of knowing the players, know the players in the team who you want to hear from and how to approach them. So it's not like putting them on the spot every time that they're on the phone, I mean, on the Zoom call and saying like, okay, well, you say something and, you know, it's your chance. But knowing when to engage, making sure that they they feel as though it's the time for them to have a a spot to say something. Um, So definitely... Um, as a leader, finding that, but also engaging with people to know that they um, shouldn't feel like they're forced into talking, mm-hmm. but know when is the right time for them to speak up um, when things are, are important to them. Yep. Um, it's about finding that balance in the calls. It starts with the leader, but it's also about engaging those people who are the quiet leaders to understand, okay, 
what, what's, where are the stakes high? Where are the things that are important to you? And how do you make sure that you're um, finding your voice in your own unique way? Well, you know, it's been interesting as I work on my leadership academies to also go into followership. Leaders mm-hmm. can only succeed if the followers follow them. And there are four different kinds. The whole industry is built around leadership, not followership, but there's a growing body of literature and research on those followers. Four types, the isolate, the bystander, the participant, and the advocate. And and they all offer different challenges on Zoom as well as in person for that leader. Do you have any perspective to share? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that if you look at those dynamics, I love, I love that you brought that into into this um, into the this conversation because I think understanding who's doing what and as someone who's like watching from the outside in, um, seeing how what role people are playing and and really understanding how to um, to really see what you can do to, to change and shift the room and understand how to like play with the dynamics a bit. Um, as a leader, you can then um, manipulate in a, in a, in a good way, the dynamics by understanding the different players. Um, so I think that's how I would look at that. You want your followers to understand that they all have a role and they all need to play that role in certain ways. Um, and by you understanding that, you're really going to be able to um, to change and shift the way things get done, become more effective. If you're not a talented leader that way, and you think one size fits all of them, yeah, your bystanders are going to watch really well as you end up doing it, and yeah. your pilots won't even know that they're supposed to do something. So you better pay attention because a leader is only successful if his followers or her followers make things happen. So it's yeah. a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it makes me think of, um, of like going to the balcony and, uh, you know, getting out of the, the arena getting out of the dance floor and just going away from it all and just taking a moment to step back and make sure you're really having a look at what's really going on. It comes to this thought that you and I have been talking about at, at one point, being the anthropologist, yes. making sure that you're really, you know, reading the way things are playing out in that room as opposed to um, being in. Um, well, you know, talk a little, let's talk a little bit about that because the essence of being an anthropologist is assuming that the folks in the room don't know what's going on because they're just doing their habits and performing. Yeah. And so help them step out and look at it. Let them be anthropologists as well. Yeah. Them that they really don't know what's happening. Step back, sit back for a moment and observe. Watch the dynamics, videotape it on Zoom, and then go back and watch what's happening. As if you are curious about what's really going on, not what you think is going on. And then look at the gaps between what you think and what is, and and then begin to understand the dynamics of what's happening. Because it's impossible for you to process everyone who's on that Zoom in an equitable fashion. You're gonna move to biases and affinity biases and gender biases and all kinds of preferences. And you'll see those things that are positive because your brain wants to go to the positive stuff, the pleasure, and yeah. step away from the pain. People who aren't talking, why aren't they? Did you even notice they weren't? So it gives you a, a cool tool to, to do with. Interesting, yeah. Huh? Yeah, I love the I love the way you put that. It's really kind of interesting to, you know, to kind of step away from it and really see 
whether you're in the game or you're outside of the game and how you can, you can be the observer of it all. Um, and it's really great to be able to give companies and, or in teams, I should say in general, that, that perspective to be able to say, you know, this is how you can do this. Even when I step away from all of this, this yep. is how you can be in this place. Uh, going we're, forward. I know it's great. Now, Tony, we're almost coming out of time. Give yeah. the listener two or three things you'd like them to remember. Yeah. One of the things that I'd love them to remember is that when you feel as though you're getting to this place where you're not, you know, when you're feeling stuck, I always think expand your vision, narrow your focus. Oh, That's like the best tool for, you know, that I use with my clients to really get them thinking outside of what they're, you know, where they're stuck. Um, it's similar to that zooming in and zooming out um, perspective that people think of. Exactly. Um, expand your perspective, narrow your, vision. your focus. Yeah. Expand it's, your vision. Yep. Narrow, narrow your focus. Wow. Yes. Um, and the other thing I, I would like to leave people with is this 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 expectation. Well, this thought that really um, everyone can be creative. And when you can embrace your creativity and whatever you're doing, then you're going to have a life that is much more fulfilling for you because you're able to create something that's more meaningful to you and not just something that is just given to you. I think about this mountain climbing, you know, this element of, you know, when you have a path that's just laid on you or that you're just following whatever society is, is given to you, it's hard for you to get excited about those types of things. When you're creating your path, when you're creating something, that is where the magic starts to happen. So I also want to throw that up that everyone has the ability to create that path for themselves. Well, that counters the people who say to me, I'm not a creative. Mm. You just have to trust what you can create. As you said that, I remember we were riding horses in Peru and um, we we're going up to a, um, Inca, an Inca um, uh, ruin. And, uh, mm. and the guide paused, we got off our horses and he said, and now we will climb. And there mm. was no path to climb. And, uh, we said, where follow me. He took out his machete and he created a path up the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and I must tell you, it was an interesting time when we got to the top because, um, nobody had really taken care of that ruin for a long time. It was completely covered in vines, but mm. it was such fun to climb an un unclimbable pathway. And my yeah. husband and I are game that way, but most of our lives, we are cutting our own path, aren't we? Yeah, it's a beautiful, I mean, I just, I was literally just there, uh, like last month, two months ago, actually, um, in, in, um, Peru. Um, and it's, so I can really relate with that. And I love the way you describe that because it's so true. And when you do climb that way, and when you do cut that path in your own way, it's so rewarding. And so it feels like this is what I'm meant to be doing. Well, and you started our conversation by saying you knew where you weren't happy. Yeah. And you decided that you were going to walk out of that room and start again. And look at where it's come. So it's such yeah. a pleasure. If people want to reach you, take your that quiz on leadership, learn more yeah. about the book when it comes out, where can they reach you? They can find me at inspiredpurposecoach.com, which is probably the best place. And there you can find the quiz. You can find a whole bunch of things. And I'll be posting in there about my book, which is coming out in spring. Um, and I'm also on social media. So you can find me anywhere on social media. That's terrific. Tony, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for coming today. It's been such fun. It's been my pleasure. I really have enjoyed this. This is really exciting. 
we'll keep you. our conversation growing and I can't wait till your book comes out. So for all of my wonderful friends and all those marvelous people who come to our podcast um, and share it, I can't thank you enough. Our, your emails are full of ideas. So send them to info at andysimon.com. And, and if you have a problem there, try to add Andy Simon and let's see, a Simon at simonassociates.net works as well. Uh, you can find us all on the internet. LinkedIn is great. My new book, Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business, is just hitting the bestseller list fast and furious because it's helping you rethink. You know, when Tony talked about reaching a point where it wasn't where he wanted to go, this book has the stories of 11 women who had to see the world through new lens and figure out a way of taking out that machete and carving that path all on their own. And they did it. And they want you to understand how they did it so you can as well. So it's a book so you can become the best you can be. And it will help you with your own personal journey. And Tony's smiling. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, a wonderful opportunity to share. Thank you for coming. Let me say goodbye to everybody. Have a great day. Stay safe. Stay well. Please smile. Bye-bye.